When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Rob Vanstel, and I'm here with Mr. Murray McCormick, and we're here to discuss the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, of course. Uh, they have clinched a home playoff game for the third straight season, I should point out, and um, that will be played November 28th against the Calgary Stampeders. Interesting season, though, Murr. They're 9-4, and four, and they haven't won more games <laughs> at the 13-game at the the mark than this since 1970, but it doesn't feel like a 9-4 and four team. Does this team deserve its due? It's, a lot of people, ourselves included, have been picking it apart. But 9-4 and four is pretty impressive when you consider that's the best that this franchise has done. And it's happened a, a handful of times since 1970. It, it's, it keeps at that feeling. You and I have both talked about it. After they win, it feels like a loss. Just because we go on all the social media and everything looks like, oh, no, the end of the world, their offensive line didn't do this. The kickers didn't. Well, the kickers always does what he's doing. You know, Cody Fajardo didn't do this. The receivers didn't do that. And I I kind of think, do you think maybe the Ryder fans have been a little spoiled with, with the success that they expect to have not only a win, but style points for a win? And in the old days, you know, it wasn't, you, know, you won, you won, you won, and you moved on, and it was like stuff. But it just seems to be everyone's assessed style points for that. And right now, unfortunately, the guy who gets the most style points and attention isn't Cody Fajardo, isn't playing like he did in 19. And maybe that's fueling some of the negativity out there, Rob? Do you think it's just, or is it just an overall malaise about this team? Like, you know, I'd like to address up, both right? points, which I think have a lot of validity. Um, first of all, I think we are spoiled. And I, I kind of tuned myself in that way. Um, 1978, 1979, 1980. I sat through all three of those seasons, went to every game, and a lot of the road games as well. And uh, over those three seasons combined, they had eight victories and a tie. Over three years, over 48 <laughs> games, they had eight wins and a tie. And uh, they've won more games than that at the 13-game mark in, in 2021. So uh, as I look back at my 12, 13, and 14-year-old self, pardon me, my 14, 15, and 16-year-old self and think of the days when even a rider first down was a cause for celebration – uh, they had six one day in Montreal in 79. Um, yeah, I, I think people have been a little, spoil, little spoiled. And maybe they were spoiled a bit by 2019 and what happened with Cody Fajardo and the, the entire team. And and I went off on that a bit in, in today's column, a bit in uh, Saturday's column as well. I, I agree, yeah, there's some things that Cody Fajardo can do better, and he's the first to acknowledge that, and he did acknowledge that when we, sp- when we spoke to him on Friday. But honestly, again... I go back to my younger self. I remember the seemingly endless gap between Ron Lancaster retiring and and uh, Kent Austin turning into a star. And uh, over that period of time, uh, it was just there was a, uh, an unquenchable thirst for anybody who could play quarterback reasonably well. 
I could go through a litany of names between <laughs> Ronnie retiring after the 78 season and Ken Austin and Tom Burgess solidifying the quarterbacking in 1988. So you're talking a decade. And uh, it was just one quarterback after another. Very rarely was there a sign that they had an answer at quarterback. The closest they came is in 1981 when John Huffnagel and Joe Barnes combined for 33 touchdown passes and were dubbed J.J. Barnagel. But that aberration of a season aside, people were starving for a quarterback who was even a fraction as competent as Cody Fajardo is in a year that isn't comparable in terms of performance to 2019. I would take Cody Fajardo this year over virtually anybody the Riders had over that decade, and I would take him. I would take him in a, in a second right now. I, um, I think Cody Fajardo is a gift to this franchise, and uh, um, on and off the field, and I think pe- people should appreciate Cody Fajardo more instead of instead of picking away at him and hacking away and and just looking for the littlest thing to to get on his case. But I listened. To, I went on the listen to the Green Zone post game show on Saturday, and there were people phoning in and complaining about Cody Fajardo. He threw three touchdown passes. One of them was a game winner. Like, honestly, like, what is it going to take to wake people up? This is silly. How about this for a wake up? Take Cody Fajardo out of the Rough Riders, and where are they now? Like, and with is Isaac Harker the guy? We don't know. We don't know who the quarterback is. We don't know who their quarterback would be. But take Cody Fajardo out of the Rough Riders, and they aren't, I don't think they're 9-4. Do you? I don't think they're this strong. I think Cody Fajardo's done the things that he's well, done. You know, we we don't know with with Isaac. He may yeah. turn into a very good quarterback, but I mean, there there would be that a period of apprenticeship, and there's no guarantee that Isaac would blossom into a star as quickly as Cody Fajardo did in 2019, especially when he's playing behind that offensive line. So I know that's another thing that people yeah people forget. Um, he's not playing behind the the great offensive line with Hall of with certain Hall of Famers on it. Maybe Don Clark would be one, but uh, you know, yeah, and he's. He throws a beautiful pass to Ricardo Lewis on the five-yard line. The pass, the ball is dropped. Yeah. And I, mean, I mean, honestly, this is this is getting so stupid. And uh, um, and yeah, I mean, I've I've made a deal, a big deal over the season about the Rough Riders' lack of proficiency with the deep ball compared to past seasons. A lot of people have, and Cody has addressed that as an issue himself after the first game in Calgary. Uh, he's not ducking any of this. He knows what the realities of the situation are. But let's cut him some slack. He's a quarterback of a team that's nine and four for the second straight season, um, and two home playoff games. Two He's got playoff two games. home playoff games. Think about that. You know, you know just, uh, and he hasn't had a first-rate receiving core for most of the season. Uh, they haven't had much of a ground game for most of the season, and the offensive line is sieve-like. So, and the play calling is suspect. So, is Cody Fajardo the problem, or are his occasional lapses in, in performance? symptomatic of a problem I, I, w- I would suggest the latter but how's he going to shake these things off now we got we they have hamilton on the weekend which is a, a meaningless game for the riders it has some meaning tiger cats are still going for playoff positioning and then he's got cody has to i still think he has to step it up in the playoffs so we can't be using i think he's done well and you take him out of the equation and it's scary but he he's got to find a better way to be a little more consistent in the playoffs don't we think that the oh, sure it up, or I mean, yeah, I know, that's, does. that's hinging that's hinging upon the offensive line actually being able to block Calgary, which we saw was pretty rare in, those, in that three game set that even in the game the Riders won that the offensive line still struggled. But I don't you think the offensive line played a little I know it's Edmonton, but they played, played a little, a little better, better. You know, I and think, they had think, some semblance of a running game. Yeah, and it's you know, we I asked Craig about that, you know, what do they do? Are they gonna get a running game going? And it's 
it's just like a, I don't know. We you know it's it's supposed to be pretty wintry now. <laughs> of course, it's going to be wintry. You got to have a running game. You've got to be able to give William Powell the ball and let him know that he's going to run it down their throats when they expect it. Which I love. That's the phrase I love. The best thing in the CFL is you got to be able to run the ball when they expect you to run the ball. And the Riders don't do that though very well. So I don't no, know what they uh, do. But arguably not very well. One of the weapons the Rough Riders have. And it's, I mean, Cody Fajardo has run a fair bit this season. He's in the top 10 in the, in the league in, in rushing yardage. But I would think come playoff time, it's almost a two-headed monster when you look at the Rough Rider running game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Cody Fajardo carried the ball as often as William Powell in the, in the, in the playoffs. What are you saving it for? And Cody Fajardo gives that offense a dimension and certainly a desire that uh, I think uh, a lot of teams would uh, would like to have. So... Once the playoffs come and you're not, I mean, Cody didn't run a lot this past game against uh, against Edmonton. Didn't really come have playoff to. time. You know, it didn't really have to, but come playoff time, I think you're going to see Cody Fajardo taking off, perhaps out of necessity, and but I think more often out of out of design. And that's a dimension that the Rough Riders offense, I think, can can really emphasize during the playoffs, and that keeps defenses off balance. And uh, so, you know, he's uh, he's certainly not reluctant to run. But I think come come playoff time, you're going to see Cody Fajardo taken off a lot, and uh, I, hopefully for the hopefully for the rider's sake, for the right reasons. I also think you know the performance of Duke Williams has got to foster a little more optimism around here. And I know it was against Edmonton, a team that's been struggling, but boy, he looked like the guy. I was thinking 2000 and was it 19 or 18? I'm sorry, I guess 17, 18, 2018 when he was that dominant force. 2018. 2018 with the uh, with the Eskimos. Can we say Eskimos in 18? Yeah. I just say Edmonton now. <laughs> Edmonton now, yeah. But he was such a dominant force. And he, he was another one again on Saturday. He, he was just like, he was Cody's favorite target. It looked really serious when he, when, when he got that tackle and it looked like his leg was caught right underneath him. And then four plays later, he's back on the field and running around. I don't, I'm not quite sure if he caught another pass after that play. No, but by halftime, he already had the Riders' highest receiving yardage total of the season. 115 yards at halftime. The previous high for a game was 107 by and Keon Schaefer. Every catch was a highlight catch. There wasn't a, wasn't one. Oh, that's a whole home catch. Yeah, every one was pretty good. That's what <laughs> showed they, off his hands. That's why they off. signed him. So, yeah. by all means, rest him on Saturday against uh, oh, yeah. against uh, Hamilton. By all means, rest Cody. I think Dan Clark has been playing hurt all year. He deserves a break. Uh, Shaq Evans. Shaq Evans, I think, can use a, a week off. I would I would give William Powell a rest. See what Jamal Morrow can can do in the backfield. I realize you, you can only rest so many people, but they've yeah. had some players who have played through a lot this year, and I would I would certainly uh, take, seize every opportunity to give them a give them a bit of a break. I think I'd give AC Leonard uh, a break as well. Even Micah Johnson. You look at uh, they've got so many defensive linemen. I think they've got an opportunity to maybe rest some of the older ones. I would you know Micah Johnson's 33 years old. I would definitely rest him. I would definitely rest AC Leonard. Uh, you know, maybe right. Dion Lacey, a middle linebacker, so valuable. I mean, but they, they lost they lost four guys in a pre-training cramp, training cramp workout. Given the luck this this team or lack thereof this team has had with injuries, I'm not risking anything in a meaningless game. I mean, if if it means that uh, that Craig Dickinson's got to play safety, fine. I mean, just rest people and uh, when you, when you have the opportunity. I found it interesting that Craig mentioned after the game Saturday about salary cap implications, which is true because we just think. You just put a guy down and he's down. You bring another guy up and you don't have. But all these guys you talk about dropping are going to go down onto the probably the one game injury list. So they still get their their salaries. The guys who come up get paid. 
So you don't get, you don't have that freedom, as much freedom as the nine, nine or 10 names you named there, Rob, which would all are very wise things to sit, but it's not like the NFL where they, we have so unlimited room to move. No, I think but what you a can lot, do, a lot of juggling, can, but you have to figure it out. But. Let's say you have to dress Duke Williams or, or Shaq Evans. Okay, fine. R- run the ball 50 times a game. Have Cody hand off every play. I mean, it may sound yeah. absurd, but do whatever you can to minimize the risk of, of injury to your key players because that could bring the whole house down. One thing that's going to be uh, topical this week, the Rough Riders Awards for Rough Riders nominees for the CFL Player Awards are going to be announced. Um, yeah. I weighed in in my column in Tuesday's best-selling edition of the Leader Post as, as far as who I think should should win. I'd be interested in, in your thoughts, being that you actually have a vote. Because uh, you're a member of the Reporters of Canada, and I'm not. So, um, um, most outstanding player, I think it's A.C. Leonard. I think it's Cody Fajardo. I think, and I stated that a little earlier, you take him out of the Riders roster, regardless of all the interceptions and things that he's done wrong, I don't think they have anything. I don't think they're even close to being what they are now. So, I'm, I, had a, I had Cody Fajardo first and A.C. Leonard. I think I had A.C. Leonard second. Uh, most outstanding defensive player? That's A.C. Leonard. Um, uh, Luchez Purifoy's had a tremendous year. Tremendous. Uh, year. I think there's a lot of people who've had a tremendous year. Jonathan Woodard is, is leading the league in sacks. Um, uh, at least he was last time I checked. I didn't see what happened this past weekend. Um, I didn't check the sack totals for this past weekend, but he had, he has 10 sacks after his first 13 CFL games. I think Deion Lacey's had a good year. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Micah Johnson's had a good year. Ed, Ga- Ed Ganey's had a good year. Nick Marshall, uh, even though there's, he's, he's susceptible at times to uh, to giving up a completion of some note. Nick Marshall's had a good year. But uh, consistently, game in, game out, when he's available, A.C. Leonard is the most impactful player uh, on, on that, that defense, defense, and I would submit on the team as well. Okay, and uh, Canadian... And then it gets pretty easy. Like you could talk about him as, 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 yeah. as the most assigned defensive player candidate, and Micah Tights is my choice for the Riders. Yes, uh, we agree on most that. Canadian. Who and else is uh, the running? I... I had Brett Lowther as second in that group. Yeah, I think he's you know not Logan Frillin was a was a bit of a guy and, and uh, uh, Keon Schrefer Baker was another one. But I think Lowther has been. Great Lenius too has had a nice year. Yeah, but Lowther's been money. He's been consistent, and I think if Micah Tyson had such a big year that he'd be the he'd be my first first vote overall if it wasn't for Brett for the season that Micah Tyson is having it. And it's great to see a young guy do that. Like great to see the draft come through, see a guy come patience. Learn from three of the best linebackers we might have seen in a long time here around in 2019 with Solly and uh, Cameron Judge and Derek Moncrief. So good for Micah Tights. If you, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to get that one. Offensive line, boy, some head scratching there. I yeah, went with we, Dan we Clark. Pass. <laughs> I picked I, Dan Clark. Um, and we don't can, we're just not counting any of the Calgary games in there. <laughs> I mean, he is he is yes. game in game out. I mean, he's the quarterback on the offensive line. He's playing a crucial position. He's playing been playing hurt a lot of the year. Um, uh, it's it hasn't been a banner year for the for the line as a whole. But I think Dan Clark is the anchor of that unit. Uh, they've had issues with tackle for most of the year. Logan Furlan's had a, had a nice year considering the position he was thrown into. Um, you know, Evan Johnson had some struggles early, it seemed, but since then he stabilized his game. But I'm, I'm still going with Dan Clark. Uh, I'm not doing that with a lot of confidence because I don't think any of the offensive linemen have really had a tremendous year. But you got to pick somebody, and Dan Clark seems to be the the guy there. 
You? And second is Logan Furland. Yeah, I agree with Dan Clark. And second is Logan Furland, too. So, and also remember, as I think you might have mentioned, Dan Clark's, I think he's playing through a lot of injuries. He's a banged up guy. And he's a leader on that team. You see, I'm at practice. I see him do things out there. He's he's the best. He's the top offensive lineman, without a doubt. Uh, special teams, Loudon. Yeah. And then I tried to hunt to find somebody else. And I came up with Jake Hardy, who had, when I did my list, had nine special teams tackles. He hasn't really contributed as a receiver, but he's contributed all four teams. So there's always only the second guy, but it's something to keep in mind. Keenan LaFrance is another guy who's done, uh, is, doesn't have the numbers, but contributes on all four facets of uh, special teams. So you got to keep in mind. But there's there's no one better than uh, special teams, better than Brett Lowther right now. Jorgen Hoos is, is, is notable because he's never notable. He doesn't blow any exactly. snaps. And so the long snapper Jorgen Hoos has had a nice year. And so I've never heard of a lot. Ever heard of a long snapper being nominated for a Canadian? I don't think, or even special teams, not very often. But he does his job perfectly, and nobody talks yeah. about him, which 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 is basically the definition of doing your doing your job perfectly as a long snapper. Exactly. Uh, most yeah. outstanding rookie, I think that's a pretty easy one. It's Keon Schaefer Baker, and yeah. uh, uh, that's uh, pretty much a no contest. I mean, Logan Furlan's a distant second, but give him an opportunity. The guys, you know, when Brendan Labatt retired, Brendan mentioned that Logan Furlan was a guy that can step up and. Boy, the, the Thunder's been pretty good to the Riders, and you think of Dan Clark and uh, Logan Furland coming in through there, and way back in the day, Zach Evans. So Stu Ford. Stu Ford. Uh, good for the Thunder. You know, the Thunder produce these guys, not not a, not a huge numbers, but the guys they send up here do contribute, and so that's a good thing on them. Do, do, any, of these, do any, any of the Riders have a chance uh, at the divisional or league level? Maybe Micah Tights, maybe. But I think uh, I was trying to think of the linebacker from the BC Lions, the middle linebacker. Isn't he, isn't he Canadian? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going to be a tough one to beat. Jordan Williams is going to be a tough one to tough one to beat out. I, I, I don't see that a lot of them have the potential to not advance beyond the team nomination here. How about you know? It's not part of this voting period though. Coach of the year? Do you think it's O'Shea, or does Craig Dickinson get credit for? Really, when we start back to that first Thursday before training camp even opened, and the whole team blew up and, and injuries and injuries and injuries and you know he's got him the nine wins. You know, it's, O'Shea's it's got to, to extract nine wins from a team that's faced this much adversity this year. I think is admirable. Um, Mike O'Shea might be penalized for the fact by the fact that uh, he's the coach of a defending Grey Cup champion. Usually. Usually the coach of the year goes to somebody who I think his team has maybe exceeded expectations or has, has kind of had an ascent based upon the previous year. It's tough to have an ascent if you're if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because you won the Grey Cup in 2019. Maybe it's tough to have an ascent if you're Craig Dickinson because you're 9-4 and four, and you were 9-4 and four at the 13-game mark in 2019 and you ended up winning 13 games and finishing first in the West. Uh, but when you look at what the Rough Riders have been able to get out of what they have, I think there's a very good uh, very good case for, for Craig Dickinson as coach of the year he should, should absolutely certainly be a finalist and another they don't give it away in the cfl and executive of the year i don't think general managers and personnel guys get recognized enough for what they do but i would like to recognize what jo's done with with the riders with 18 guys on the injured list and dealing with we go back to that thursday dealing with dealing with that thursday and then all the injuries that i think jo would be a they still haven't been able to fix the offensive line though that's, That's the true. one thing that they uh, that has gone unaddressed, is, is is being able to. I mean, they needed they knew they needed to upgrade the receiving core. In comes Duke Williams. Uh, the offensive line was a, was an obvious area in, area of need, and they've they've not gone 
in the direction of looking for reinforcements. So uh, I would I would submit that if the offensive line continues to be porous, that's uh, uh, not a check in the box beside Jeremy O'Day's name or that of Paul Jones. But overall, I think it, an admirable job. I think they've recognized that by, by they know that that's an issue. And I think yeah, so. Where's a, where's a new tackle? Where's a new yeah, guard? You know, um, uh, COVID makes it tough. You know, they COVID just, makes it tough. But you know that COVID wasn't a didn't deter didn't deter the Calgary Stampeders from being able to bring back Reggie Begleton and Trey Roberson. It didn't deter the Rough Riders from being able being able to sign uh, sign Duke Williams. It hasn't deterred teams from bringing in players. Period. So why should that uh, be a deterrent as far as trying to reinforce the offensive line? Yeah. We have to take a break here, and we will be back very shortly with more. Rider rumblings or rider grumblings, depending upon our mood. So uh, stay with us and we'll be right back. And there might be a cameo of my dog. As promised or threatened, we are back. <laughs> yes, and hi. it's going to be a cameo of my dog because Candy is so cute. Look at her. Oh. She was laying at the end of the bed. My A pillow fell on her and she just fell asleep. She's absolutely the cutest dog ever. And I love her. So that was our Candy cameo, our Candio. Um, looking ahead... <laughs> It, it, maybe you're being too, we're being too dismissive of the Hamilton game, but uh, I mean, yeah, they're playing yeah. Hamilton Saturday at three. Have a nice time. Um, November 28th, 3.30 p.m. Calgary Stampeders are at Mosaic Stadium. Oddly enough, the first um, appearance uh, for Bo Levi Mitchell as a starter against Calgary, against Saskatchewan in a playoff game. He played a handful of plays in 2013. Uh, after Kevin Glenn, after Drew Tate, when the Rough Riders defeated uh, Calgary in the West Final in 2013. All right, well, I didn't know that. Oh, he, had, he had some mop-up duty that day because it was, uh, yeah. I think it was 35-13 was the final score. So there was lots of mopping up to do. Um, but this is very so cool. We, we know what it's been like for Henry Burris to come into, into Saskatchewan uh, in games of, you know, do-or-die games. And uh, Bo Levi Mitchell coming in, that's just an absolute... It's almost got a uh, UFC kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of vibe to it. It's going to be so cool. I think it's and we got to give Calgary credit. They're playing well from the team that started out. What were they one time one and five or two and five? I think one point of the season somewhere around there, something like that. Well, we should the check on that to revive their season. Uh, the Riders yeah. did, and then but since then they, they you know they got they got healthy and fat on the Riders and stuff. But boy, they're playing well. Begleton had a big game, you know, and you. He looked like he almost got hurt towards the end of that one too. Trey Robinson gives him another incredible coverage cornerback, and this what a great offensive line. Uh, Kareem Perry's hurt, and I had a nice year. Nice year, and he's a guy the Riders have had problems with tackling. You know that's a that's why they have nine defensive linemen on their rosters because they're I don't think they're running. They, they're, they're they're number one against the run, but Kerry made himself look pretty good against them. So that's going to be a tough one. And against tough a lot one. of people. The yeah. Riders kind of were kind of a catalyst for the type of season that Kadeem Carey has had, at least at least over the second half. Mike Rose has been hurt, and they're not sure about his status. And that's he has a big, been such a, such a uh, factor, especially against the Rough Riders this year. And yeah. Calgary's been able to rush, rush four players, or rush four linemen, and do so effectively against the three. <laughs> Even and, three. And, yeah, Mike Rose was, it was a key part of it there, but he's got some healing time too. Um, that think, Calgary team, you know, when you look at their pedigree and you look at Dave Dickinson and John Huffnagel, uh, they're not your typical third place team coming in for a no. for a West Division semifinal. That's a that's a very formidable team, and you have to respect what they've done and what they might do. 
they talk about the crowds being such a factor. Do you think there's going to be a big enough crowd to be a factor? Like, do we look at last week's Saturday's game where they said 26,000 and yeah, that it didn't was, look like that was generous to say the yeah. least? Yeah. I, uh, you know, you wonder too. I mean, um, they, you know, they sold out their home playoff game in, in 2019, but they didn't do it in 2018. Uh, yeah. They didn't do it in 2013. They didn't do it in 2010. Uh, so uh, three out of the last four Ryder home playoff games have not been sold out. And there's no precedent for a November 28th home uh, Rough Rider game. None. Yeah. Uh, the last time the Riders played on November 28th was 1976. And uh, that was Tony Gabriel Day. Uh, okay. But that was in Toronto. And actually, it was actually a nice day that day. I was there. Little, little damp. But, uh, or little, uh, what's the word? I, I remember being, it was just kind of chilly. You know how Toronto is? It just, yeah. but it was, it was above zero. It was a fine, fine day until 20 seconds remained in the 76 Grey Cup. But who knows what the weather might be like. As whereas we were recording this on a Tuesday morning, I'm looking out the window and the, the trees are swaying and, and we're on the precipice of our first winter storm. Of, Second. Of, uh, uh, our we first, had one last week, Rob. You slept through Our first yeah. really, you know, genuine. <laughs> scary one, yeah. Winter storm yeah. in Regina. So uh, what might the weather be like on November 28th? We might, maybe maybe we get a break and, and it's a nice day, but chances are that the, it's going to be uh, a negative temperature. And if the wind is a factor at all, it just gets exponentially colder. So also the, I, think, I think the climate is going to dictate the, the crowd crowd size. They could also use nicer weather leading up to the game. So people think, oh, it looks like it's going to be nice. I'm going to buy my tickets and walk up. Because the walk-ups are the gravy for the Rough Riders. So if it's reasonably nice leading up to the game, maybe that impacts how many people actually go to the game. Well, if, they don't if, get, if there's gravy at a Rough Rider game, it probably costs 12 bucks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if there's gravy at a Rough Rider game, it probably costs yeah. 12 bucks. Costs <laughs> concessions there being what it is. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, just uproariously it, funny. I'm just, I don't want to touch, what do you think about the double headers on Friday and Saturdays? Like, I really like the way the CFL's staying away from Sunday. I'm going to I wish they Sunday, do the playoffs. Sunday, well, I've, I'm trying to remember which year I covered a Saturday playoff game, and I'm trying to wonder if it was 08. What, I think it was, 2000, was it 2007 they had a Saturday? No, I wasn't was around a, yet. I wasn't around yet, so I think it might have been two. Yeah, they, they did try that, and they, and they veered away it from horrible. it. But. It was just the crowd was horrible, and it was... It was in. I, I'll look it up and I'll find it out for the next one. But I remember the crowds were horrible. Just everything felt out of sync. And I kind of I like the way to play the regular season with the double headers. I'm not as big a fan as the triple headers as some people are. I think double header on a Friday, double header on a Saturday is is enough football for the show. And then because this weekend the NFL was pretty entertaining this weekend, and I ended up glued well, you're, to the couch. Not if you're a Denver Bronco fan, but well, not if well, it was half entertaining for the Steelers. The glass was half. Mason Rudolph. Yeah, <laughs> he's a deer. Oh, so, who is he? Is Jeannie Bouchard's boyfriend? Did you know I know that? that's yeah, yeah. I was hoping to see we'd see her on TV though. But anyway, I think this. I always kind of thought the CFL has got to show pride in its product and take on the NFL on Saturday on Sundays with the regular season. I think they made the right decision to back off, give the NFL Sundays. I still think people are going to go to playoff games in the CFL on a Sunday. I think it's enough. There's enough sort of entrenched uh, interest in it to do that. But you know, if it if it shows up, the crowds are bad again or don't look that strong. But you know, as Craig Craig Reynolds has said, we did a story back in May about this. It's it's not just the riders who have problems with people going to playoff games. 
it's sent back across the whole league that when they have playoff games, not a lot of people go to them. Not 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 to say a lot, but they aren't they aren't sold out, and it's been kind of a thing for the CFL for a while. So, but I mean, we'll see what happens? They can do themselves some favors as far as creating some intrigue too. Um, every coaches live in fear of bulletin board material, etc. But honestly. If you want to, what does the UFC do? What does boxing do? You malign your opponent. You do do you do things to create hype. So all it would take is 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 for say Craig Dickinson to say something uncomplimentary, say something uncomplimentary about his brother and 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 uh, and uh, incite a family feud. That maybe that makes things interesting. Riders to you know come out and say we're gonna we're gonna you know sack. Levi Mitchell 15 times and uh or he's coming into our house now or do something to inflame the rivalry maybe Bo Levi will do that on his end and say something that stokes the fires mm-hmm. here but that's what you, that's marketing every teams are so and you see it all the time during the Stanley Cup playoffs and even the Western Hockey League playoffs where teams are so reluctant to, to say anything that might inflame the opposition but guess what that creates intrigue that creates buzz and that creates ticket sales and now they've got two weeks to try and sell this game uh, maybe it's time to start saying some things that might uh, get people r- revved up about going to this game, as opposed to we respect them; they're a fine opponent. Blah blah. blah. That's not gonna. That's that's not gonna sell anything except coffee to maybe keep you awake. Okay, so boom, wake up, Rob. Wake up from your dream world. Oh, wake I know. Your, but that's marketing. That's, too, that's hyping like the product. Some, you know, yeah, they don't it, get it. Yeah, I think it was Patrick Level said a few things about the Blue Bombers that were minor sort of inflammatory before they played the Alouettes, played the uh, Blue Bombers, but it didn't. Speaking yeah. of speaking of um, statements, uh, there was the uh, matter of the uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, certain choice word uttered by an official shortly before the second half on mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, what do you make of this? Well, first off, I think keep it clean. Yeah. <laughs> People have to realize that you and I didn't know anything of that was going on because <laughs> we didn't hear it in the press well, box. I, I saw it on Twitter. People started going nuts yeah. on that on Twitter. That's when I started to see it too. Uh, I would like to hear more about the context. Is I'd like okay? to know the context. Why was maybe, that said? Yeah, it was an illogical was... time for that to be said. Saskatchewan's yeah. calling a timeout, bleep them. Yeah. What is it about them calling a timeout that would probably... Well, I think the fact that it's unprecedented that no one calls a timeout before the kickoff in the first half, second half of a game. And I think maybe the officials were a little bit... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't understand why... That's the problem is I listen to it and I've watched it again and again. And I go, well, why is he saying that? Like, yeah, timeout? it just seems like a non sequitur in a way. Yeah, maybe... Um, the greater and, concern and, for me... If you're a Rough Rider fan, the greater concern for me wouldn't be the fact that that was said on a hot mic. It would be that the team was tardy in getting out for uh, of the dressing room in time to put the right people on the field at the appropriate time for the second half kickoff. And Craig Dickinson said, well, there were some players in the bathroom. So here we go again with, with bathroom talk. Um, we had the AC Leonard issue earlier this year. Now it's... <laughs> At one point, you had a player who couldn't go to the bathroom, and now it seems that there's too many players who are actually going to the bathroom. So, mm-hmm. um, honestly, where does it where does it stop? With uh, I better uh, I better it's try to get myself out of this one without uh, saying anything really silly. Is but it, I mean, it just it's it's, it's, 
it uh it just it's it's been such a goofy year that way and uh i've never seen that i haven't seen that i've covered covered a ton of high school football i haven't seen that happen how does that happen to a professional football team with a clock that's a size it's a huge clock counting down and i know some people are saying maybe that as as as, uh craig suggested there's some gastronomic problems with the guys but if it's the two, I, I would not know who they are, but it sounds like it's a couple of veterans who are usually pretty good at timing this stuff. So I don't know. It's just, and I, the CFL, like, what can they do? They can maybe find them. We probably won't find that out until they come up with their discipline thing on uh, Thursday. If they put out that, that tweet. That apology that right away. Apology, but it, uh, you know, is there anything oh, beyond that? We know what officials are like. I'll bet you that official is kicking himself up and down the field right now. Hot mic. You know, and, uh, you know, sometimes we can discuss it. The mic's always hot, eh? What are they taught up taught? It's always hot. And you have to watch it. And maybe that official just got him. All the officials have got a reminder of. But as I said before, I want to hear the context. And we don't. I don't know the context. And maybe Craig can expand on that maybe he knows what it was all about but i don't think he i don't think he was aware of it either till after the game yeah i think he had bigger concerns at the time such as why aren't these players on the field ready for the second half kickoff and you know especially uh, you know the the, craig dickinson tends to be pretty careful with his timeouts and to to flush one away (laughs) perhaps literally in that case uh, (laughs) uh, that would be a concern there's one criticism of craig dickinson i have it is that the the game management sometimes isn't the best and the, and the use of timeouts isn't the best uh his hand was probably pretty much forced in this situation because he didn't have enough players but yeah. uh but there are, you, they have yeah. clock management issues and that's that's i think it's, that's been the only thing under craig dickinson and there's been a lot more victories and losses under craig dickinson but it's the clock management yeah. when there is an issue it seems to pertain to that and it, the Rough Riders came out of it unscathed on, on Saturday. They won the game. They clinched the home playoff game, and no damage was done. But um, they cannot afford some clock management issues in the in the playoffs. Those The importance of, of those and perhaps the cost uh, is magnified. Yeah. All right, Rob. Well, I have to go brave, brave the howling winds of Saskatchewan, the winds of November. Come early. I think I won't sing the Edmund Fitzgerald for you people. I'll save you from that one. Does that song ever end? Well, I know. You should hear the Headstones version of it, though. There's, they know always, how to rock away. You always give me a rough time about the, the jazz songs <laughs> never ending. And, and yeah, John Coltrane has some 28-minute saxophone solos. <laughs> but uh, I once attended a jazz concert that had one song. They played for 41 minutes. It was Ter- Terrence Blanchard. They played for 41 minutes. They played the Melka X Suite. And they left the stage. So one forty, one forty-one minute song. But um, um, how did I get on that tangent? Because I of the think I should write this down. Um, here's another candy cameo. Look at oh, her. Oh, Isn't so... she the cutest little darling? She anyway. is a bundle of joy, a little sweetie. She makes my teeth hurt. She's so cute. And, she's and candy is the Johnny Humane Society's calendar uh, pooch. Yeah, I saw that. That was a great picture. Yeah. So. Uh, Get get your Regina Humane Society calendar. It's ten bucks, and it's available at virtually any pet store. Certainly at the uh, Regina Humane Society, and all the all that money goes to supporting the wonderful people and the wonderful programs and the amazing uh, dogs and cats and various uh, furry creatures at the Regina Humane Society. Candy's a rescue dog, and we absolutely love her. I'm going to try to rescue the podcast now by. Uh, Let's do the out. Is it an outro? I guess it's, it's an, outro, an outro. It's called. 
That is okay. broadcasting lingo. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. Thanks to Candy, it's also a podcast. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Products, Google Podcasts. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I get them on my iPhone. Is that Apple Podcasts? I guess so. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email me. My name is Rob, and it's at rvanstone at postmedia.com. And we'll read it on the show, unless it's mean. You can also follow me, that's uh, at Rob Vanstone, or Murray at Murray LP. Murr, All right. thanks so much. And we'll do this again uh, next week. Really getting serious then about the Rough Riders versus oh, yeah. Calgary. This will be fun. No, no fooling around, no jokes, no candy stuff. We're playoff mode. Maybe not. There will be lots of candy. Calgary starts with C, ends with Y. Candy starts with C, ends with Y. It all fits. For Murray McCormick, I'm Rob Vanstone on behalf of Candy, and thanks. We'll do this again next week. That gave me pause for thought, Rob. Thank you.